This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. Today we'll be talking about stroke uh, and uh, what comes after uh, in the recovery of, um, you know, for stroke patients. Now, we all know, of course, we've heard enough uh, being described about how stroke is a very severe and sudden medical condition that can have profound consequences for survivors and families. And uh, rapid treatment as well as proper stroke rehabilitation can help one recover from a stroke and regain independence and quality of life. So we want to focus today on that the second part of that Mm -hmm. uh, continuum, proper stroke rehabilitation, what to expect in stroke rehab, how to empower individuals and caregivers to seek support, and that will be key to successful rehabilitation and recovery. Joining me on the show today for the Doctor in House segment, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. How are you, George? I'm very good. I'm excited about today's program. Obviously, this gives patient hope, right? Because Stroke has always been painted that gloomy pictures, but we see many success stories and that probably all boils down to rehabilitations and also determination both in the patient side and also the healthcare providers as well. And who better to guide us through what's happening after that? That's right. Consultant rehabilitation physician, Dr. Intan Sabrina, joining us on the show today. We're also uh, commemorating uh, um, a little belatedly World Stroke Day on the 29th. 9th of October. Dr. Intan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, good. Very good. Thank you. So I think a refresher, we have, of course, spoken about it on the program on and off, but good to uh, sort of uh, make sure everyone's sort of on the same page. What exactly do we mean by stroke rehabilitation? What are we trying to achieve for stroke survivors, Dr. Intan? A stroke rehabilitation is a coordinated um, program. Uh, run by a team of multidisciplinary healthcare professionals. Um, it could be your GP, mm-hmm. your neurologist, a rehabilitation physician, or any uh, medical professional um, that is closest to you. And this is helped by the nurses, the physiotherapists, occupational therapists, the audiologists, uh, speech therapists, as well as the dietitian and social worker. And most importantly is the patient and their family members. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you've mentioned, like you said, multidisciplinary. There are so many uh, different types of therapists involved. So clearly, we're not just talking about physical aspects of rehab. For instance, just perhaps learning to uh, be able to walk or be mobile again. Can you walk us through the whole picture of the different types of therapies that could come in, Dr. Intan? The first thing is um, stroke is a spectrum, okay? So uh, if you go on the street, you say, oh, do you know what stroke? They sort of like, uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I think, you know, you can't talk, uh, you can't you can't walk. I think most of the public, uh, they only know about uh, the physical mm. uh, aspect of stroke. But little did they know, actually, um, it depends on which part of the brain so it can be as simple as, you know, like having slurred speech or, you know, having this, oh, I can't get that word. What is that? You know, it's like a, a subtle um, word finding difficulty. Yeah. That could actually be a symptom uh, of stroke. So we would like to um, 
remind everyone out there the acronym is B fast B E F A S T B is the if you have any problems with balance because a lot of people go like oh i pening lah you know they they feel a bit dizzy so uh, the first thing is any problem with balance and if you have your eyes you know sometimes um, we see oh uh, i feel a bit blurred lah the blurry vision or you see a double vision mm-hmm. so that's also a sign of stroke Mm-hmm. And then F, the face, you know, um, some people, uh, it's quite obvious that it, uh, the, the muka a bit singing, you know, just <laughs> a, a bit lopsided. Mm-hmm. Or when you smile, you know, this nasolabial fold, the folds around your your lips and yeah. your, your um, cheeks, you know, the, the face. Mm-hmm. it's uh, It can be quite flattened on one side and then the arms, arms and also legs. So this one, a lot of people go like... Um, Oh, let me just drive my way through to to the hospital. You know, without realizing, you can't actually. As a lot of people, they drive themselves to hospital yes. when they have a stroke. You know, they're driving and they're like, "Ah, oh, okay, I'll just veer so off to you, the." You the definitely have uh, less control, right? Yeah. Control. Well, and then um, S is speech. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have slurred speech and swallowing. Mm-hmm. A lot of old people, especially, they don't. Um, they don't realize that a sign of stroke is actually difficulty in swallowing. Probably you find it you need to um, drink after each uh, mouthful, mm-hmm. wash down the the food. So um, dysphagia, difficulty in swallowing, is also a sign of stroke. And of course, tea. Tea is time. We don't sleep it off. A lot of people go like, oh, I'll just wait for my husband to come home. Mm. And then, you know, uh, so they sleep it off. They think, oh, mm-hmm. this is nothing. Uh, I'll when, when I wake up, I'll feel better. The problem is we need to go to the hospital within three hours. Because if you have a clot in your brain and you present at the accident emergency within three hours, uh, we can give you. Um, and uh, a medicine that can actually dilute the clot, yeah. and your recovery is better. Mm. However, a lot of people they they don't they don't go. They by the time they come to the accident emergency, by the time we have a scan, it's too late. The golden period is over, mm. so we can't give you the medicine. Doctor mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Intan, I mean, obviously, people um, like you said, lay public um, know a little bit about stroke. What about in contrast, mini strokes, for example? How many proportions of people have these transient stroke and then how many people have debilitating uh, effect after in a stroke? That's a very good question. Actually, before you have a, like a full-blown stroke, the first six months is actually the warning period. When we say, oh, it's a minor stroke. It's, actually, it's not a minor stroke. It's a TIA, transient ischemic attack. Mm-hmm. So what is transient ischemic attack as opposed to a full-blown stroke? TIA, transient ischemic attack, is when you have the, uh, the symptoms I told you just now, the BFAST, uh, and it resolves within 24 hours. So a lot of people, instead of going to the doctor, they go like, oh, okay, I, I just, you know, I just sleep it off. And they don't realize this is actually a warning sign. Uh-huh. So a lot of people, uh, by the time they have a stroke, if you, you ask the history, actually they already have all this uh, sign and symptoms six months prior to the big stroke. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that is actually that window 
that something yes. critical um, should have been done before the even more major stroke, right? So you talked about uh, that golden window of three hours stroke treatment to dilute the clot could be instituted. Now let's look beyond that. Um, whether or not somebody is able to get that treatment, it doesn't end there. We have, you've already mentioned the multidisciplinary efforts of uh, rehabilitation, but um, is it easy? Do you, I mean, are we still facing barriers for stroke uh, survivors to go through rehab to even start or to complete their rehab journey? Correct. Um, there, there are a lot of barriers and the first thing is actually awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's why we, we want everybody to know. The first thing is you must be aware uh, that stroke is, it can affect anyone. Number two is um, the location. So a lot of people, they go on holidays, you know, in some island and the access to an accident emergency and CT scan is, um, is, is quite uh, a challenge. So, um, this is a public uh, service announcement. If you want to have a holiday anywhere, first thing, that's what I do. I'm that paranoid. I will check, okay, where is the nearest uh, big hospital? Hmm. And do they have a CT scan and a neurologist? So, Because every day we see people going to crisis. So the first thing is, okay, where are you? Right. If you're in Kuala Lumpur, Klang Valley, no problem. You know, if within uh, one kilometer, there's at least two, three medical centers, uh, private as well as uh, um, government. But if you are in the rural area, uh, it's very, very challenging because uh, the first thing is to get the number 999. Okay. And then get a CT scan, access to a CT scan, and then uh, a good doctor, basically, mm. a, a radiologist and also a neurologist. Mm. Yep. Yeah, And uh, what enables people to be able to undergo rehab as well? Okay, so um, e we are very lucky in Malaysia. Uh, any district hospital, so you already have uh, some form of uh, medical uh, professional with access to some form of uh, rehab. Uh, and when we say rehab, it's not just physiotherapists, but also the rehab, uh, the nurses, as well as, like I mentioned before, the occupational therapists. Uh, speech therapists and audiologists are very, very rare in, in the rural area. Mm. But in big cities, um, if you usually we have at least one to three uh, speech therapists in a big centre. Mm. We'll go for a quick break first and we will continue this conversation with consultant rehabilitation physician, Dr. Intan Sabrina. After the break, we are commemorating World Stroke Day and discussing how to be prepared for stroke rehabilitation. My co-host, Dr. George Lee, joining me in the studio for our Doctor in the House discussion today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. It's our Doctor in House segment today with my co-host, Dr. George Lee, mm -hmm. consultant urologist. We are speaking to consultant rehabilitation physician, Dr. Intan Sabrina, shining a spotlight on stroke, particularly on the rehab part uh, of the journey for stroke survivors. We've talked about the importance of knowing the signs and symptoms of a stroke. Be mm -hmm. fast. Uh, balance, vision, um, your face, your arms and legs, your spine, 
speech. Uh, and of course, that important tea time going mm-hmm. to a hospital within three hours and not, yes. not sleeping it off. <laughs> That's right. As, as well, doc- we talked about this um, golden um, timing, mm. which is the three hours. How fast does the rehabilitation got to take place? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah. then. I, I would like uh, to um, push for every single uh, acute hospital to have a stroke pathway. You know, when you go to uh, accident emergency, everybody knows what to do when you have a heart attack. But for stroke, it's still, to me, we are still uh, in the infancy. Unless really? you, you yeah, Seriously. <laughs> because, uh, um, well, I was trained in Australia, you know, there's always like a rehab physician on call right. in, in accident emergency. And there's always a speech therapist on call. Right. So when you have a stroke pathway, the person who needs to be there uh, after the accident emergency and the radiologist is actually the speech therapist. Because the first thing is for us to make sure that whether the patient can swallow or not. Because Uh, that can kill. Okay? Not being able to walk will not kill you immediately. But if you can't swallow, you mm. know, people will go, like, oh, oh, but they're house, you know, they, they are they are very concerned the patient cannot drink. So they churi churi, they, they take the, the spoon or, you know, like a straw, that's the worst thing. Do not put a straw because the, first, the, the if you use a straw without um, assessing whether the patient can swallow safely or not, it will just go straight into the lungs yeah. mm. and aspirate. Yeah. Aspirate, um, the, the water will go into the lungs and uh, infection will set in and the patient can die. Yeah. So the first thing is to assess the safety of swallowing. Mm-hmm. So if we already know that the patient has some problems with swallowing, we insert a nasogastric tube. And okay, so this tube, we call it NG tube, it's to um, allow the patient to be given uh, the milk as well as uh, the hydration and then the medication. Mm -hmm. That's the most important. But not many people know that this NG tube is actually is like a temporary thing. Unless uh, you are assessed and scoped, we usually um, assess the patient's um, we put a camera up the patient's nose and then uh, test the patient whether the patient can uh, swallow certain consistency like thin fluids, uh, honey, um, porridge consistency, consistency, pudding. So that there's like a, a gradient. Mm-hmm. So And then we say, okay, um, we see if there's any uh, pooling of the saliva and whether it goes into the lungs mm-hmm. or not. So this uh, test needs to take place within the, f- the first six weeks. And if we see that within the six weeks, the patient cannot swallow, then there should be like a swallowing rehabilitation plan. Mm-hmm. Either somebody who is uh, unable to follow instruction and cannot manage the secretion, cannot swallow the saliva, we would counsel the patient maybe to go for a PEG, percutaneous enterogastrostomy, whereby we put a tube in the tummy and pull out the the tube from the the nose and then start the oral facial um, exercises so that the patient learns, relearn how to swallow and also um, breathe properly. Mm. So you can yep. see you can see where one impairment could either be life threatening, <laughs> um, yes. or you know with the right recognition and the plans and the interventions. Yep. So if 
if the patient is uh, losing a lot of weight and then you go like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, if you give the patient, if you let the patient to be on the NG tube forever, then you will see that the patient will lose the, uh, we call it desensitization. You know, mm. the, there's no feeling at all at the back of the throat. Mm. So you even if you change the tube, they, go, they just stare blankly at you. That is not a good sign. I so mean, if you, is this a problem, uh, Dr. Intan, that we're seeing in terms of, you know, these issues are not being identified early with proper yes. plan in place? Yes, yes. That's mm. why it's very important for you, for everyone, uh, especially in acute hospital, rehab hospital, to get the rehabilitation position in the care plan mm. because we coordinate um, these uh, allied health and we add, we we guide the caregiver from start to uh, to the end, basically. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Intan, when you say there's no um, kind of stroke pathway mm. that is widely practiced in Malaysia, what's happening at the moment? <laughs> Cost. Uh, there's a lot of competing interest. Uh-huh. So do you want to save the heart first? Do you want to save the brain first? You know? right. And then suddenly COVID came. So <laughs> stroke is always... Uh, Mm. It's very important, but uh, with competing resources, you know, as an administrator of the right. hospital, you mm. have to choose mm. which one do you do you focus on. So I thought maybe the gap was between public and private hospitals, where in private hospitals, yes, you would likely have an access to rehab physicians. But um, are you saying that within um, public uh, the gap is among different hospitals, the, the big tertiary ones and then the smaller district ones. There's a difference in terms of access as well. Yes, I would say if you compare uh, uh, between uh, like a university hospital, then you, you'll be safe because mm. there's research Research, 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 you know. So, so you, have, you have the funding to have that pathway and everybody... Everybody knows what to do. Right. You don't have to preach. All right. Okay? So, so, so then what, what should people do? Let's say we, we can increase awareness at least. Mm-hmm. Um, what are options? Um, what can people take the initiative, caregivers particularly, take the initiative to do on their own? Um, okay. So first is to get the hospital, uh, the right hospital. And then um, when you already get yourself in a, a, a medical ward, um, insist on a rehabilitation physician referral. Right. So when you have a rehab physician uh, in your care plan, then uh, it is we we will get the physiotherapist uh, and the occupational therapist, speech therapist, audiologist involved. Uh, the gold standard is the in the first three months you need three hours of therapy, AM PM. Yeah, it could be a combination of uh, physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, even uh, having a nurse to actually be by your side to guide you how to swallow and um, do simple things like activities of daily living. That is considered part of therapy. So three hours a day, five days a week minimum Mm. for the first three months if you can keep on doing this regardless of whether which hospital or clinic or rural or anywhere you are then you'll be okay the first three months Mm -hmm. of course cost is an issue but to me I always tell my patients you know if you invest in the first three months of your life 
you rajin okay the the, the main thing is to be in an inpatient setting mm. but um in an acute hospital with a very busy medical ward uh we are pressed for beds we need to discharge the patient by 3 days so within 3 days you must make sure that you know how to transfer the patient from the the lying lying position to the sitting position and at least can transfer the patient from the bed to the wheelchair to the toilet if you can do that that's the minimum Mm-hmm. Then you continue as uh, outpatient. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an inpatient mm-hmm. uh, rehabilitation service, you come uh, maybe you know every every day mm-hmm. for five days. Alright. So for we we have options such as uh, Nasam. Nasam offers for three hundred ringgit. You can go from eight to five. It's sort of like a. Um, It's like a daycare, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, dedicated physiotherapists and even speech and occupational mm. therapists uh, for the public. Mm. And then uh, in the government uh, setting, we also have uh, in inpatient as well as outpatient. Mm-hmm. In private, it's it's quite challenging because in a private hospital, um, it's all about cost. You know, the patients and the family will like, oh, how many doctors am I seeing? You know, they they start to cut. Oh, I I need the the intensivist. Okay, I need uh I need maybe one time this doctor and then so <laughs> they then start the, to the, the therapies are probably the ones that get crossed out first. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the rehab physician is the first to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, doctor, you don't have to come every day. Maybe you can come yeah. once a week. Okay, so check on us. You know, it's like that. They have to be very calculative. But when, um, for example, like in uh, where I work in Tungsheng Hospital, uh, everybody knows about um, acupuncture. They don't mind paying three thirty-five ringgit for AMPM acupuncture, right. but they mind eighty uh, ringgit, one hundred ringgit for physio or occupational therapist or even speech, uh-huh. because they they don't understand the value of the input that we offer mm. so um, what I would say is number one is if you know what is stroke you know what is going on with you which parts of the brain that is affected what do you want to achieve mm. so let's talk about uh, uh, goal setting right mm-hmm. so when you for example when you have a scan say maybe you know you, your left side of the brain For example, okay, so left side of the brain is uh, mainly for our language center L L L M, language listening, learning, and memory. Mm-hmm. So that's the temporal part of the brain. Mm-hmm. So if that is is basically I, I I liken it to a CPU, central processing unit. If you have a left brain stroke, likely that you have problems communicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So these patients, uh, they they get very frustrated because. Um, especially if their caregiver finishes the sentence for them, after a while they don't even bother answering because there's always like a spoke person. You know, you're asking the patient, the patient just automatically look on the you know to the shoulder, and then the wife will answer or the daughter will answer for them. So that's that's the problem when you cannot communicate. But as opposed to somebody with a right brain stroke, they can talk. This is uh, I always find I always call them uh, cakap tak super bikin. They can talk. They know what needs to be done, but they have a lack of initiation. Mm. When when you ask them to you know get up or you know do therapy, they they don't have that motivation. To okay. Do it. 
So how does this feed into goal setting then? For example, if uh, say if you have a left brain stroke, first thing people want is to eat, right? And then uh, they want to walk. Of course, number one is either you want to eat and then you want to walk and then communicate. So we we always say, okay, instead of walking, I would say we would realign their goals. So we go by the acronym SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time frame. So the time frame, we say, okay, what would you like to achieve this week? So in the, in, in these five days, what is the most important for you? They go, oh, I, I want to walk, doctor. I say, okay, so instead of walking, can I uh, can we work towards moving from point A to point B? Hmm. You know, they go like, oh, uh, what do you mean? Uh, maybe we can uh, help you get to the toilet hmm. using a wheelchair. So we're trying to break down what they have in the big picture. They go like, oh, I just want to be normal. Hmm. So we go, oh, okay, I do not understand uh, quite what you mean. And so we need to break down oh, the what they mean by normal. Oh, I want to this, I want to that, mm. I want to mm-hmm. drive, it's about, I want yeah, to... It's about what functions they want to achieve, right? What duties or yes. roles they want to play. And, yes. then, and then you break it down into achievable, smaller Yes, achievable uh, uh, size of uh, mm. dreams, and, I would say. And you're the person who negotiate all these goals with the patients? Mm, I usually I like when I negotiate, negotiate we, we say realign goals you know you don't want to first is we don't want to give false hope number two we don't want to lie to the patient mm-hmm. because if if uh, and number three is you don't want to say uh, you 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 don't want to be the the you know, somebody who has a crystal ball and then, because we've got patients, say, daughter, remember or not, you told me I never walk. Now I'm walking. They, they will charry you. They will <laughs> find you and prove to you, you said this to mm-hmm. my face. So we try to avoid that. What we do is first is to uh, try to understand the patient's perspective. Mm-hmm. And usually uh, there's always like at least two goals. The patient's goals and the caregiver's goals. Sometimes mm-hmm. the caregiver wants everything, but the patient doesn't want to do anything. Mm. They right. just want to lie down. They just don't want to see people. They don't want to get up. They don't want to attend therapy. So it's always usually like the wife or the husband or the children who's pushing the patient. So the first thing is for us to talk to the patient. Right. And if the patient cannot communicate, you go like, okay, what is important to this person. So we would like to find out who is this person. And the first thing is to find out their occupation. Mm -hmm. Because to rehabilitate uh, probably like a politician or a teacher is not the same as a grab driver. So our problem is uh, rehabilitation is a process. So when we say, okay, what, uh, what would you like to achieve is actually uh, rehabilitation is is a process to reach the patient's optimal functional uh, level mm-hmm. until gainful employment. Yeah. So instead of driving, maybe somebody who can actually be at the control center or, mm-hmm. you know, like a um, receiving calls. Yeah. So, so we need to... to okay. Yes, you're also yeah. you're also reframing based on their functions yes. what they need to, what kind of occupation they could get back to. Correct. Uh, we'll go for another quick break and come back to look at uh, another aspect that perhaps we don't talk 
much about home modifications and uh, Dr. Intan, I know you wanted to share some thoughts about that for stroke survivors and their caregivers. Joining us on the show today, consultant rehabilitation physician, Dr. Intan Sabrina and of course my co-host, Dr. George Lee for our Doctor in House segment today. We're discussing stroke rehab. Stay tuned to Health and Living. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ig. For our Doctor in House segment today, my co-host, Dr. George Lee, joining me in the studio for a conversation about stroke rehab. And uh, on Zoom with us, consultant rehabilitation physician, Dr. Intan Sabrina. Dr. Intan, we talked about the importance of uh, different aspects of, you know, depending on the impairments that uh, were brought on by the stroke, uh, what kinds of interventions and therapies are important uh, and of course sticking through with that care plan uh, setting the goals uh, understanding what are the targets to be met um, I want to zoom in a little bit on you know sort of what happens to survivors at home because even if they're in an inpatient setting at some point they transition back home uh, whatever uh, changes in their functions and mobility and so on may require some home modifications. Can you explain a little bit about what to expect there? First is uh, one one of the main things you need to do today, uh, Dr. George <laughs> and Xiaoyi, uh, is to imagine when you come home, what if you can't walk? Mm. How many barriers from the beginning you open the door of your car how you get into your house? Yeah. Okay. So the so the gate number one, right? The grill, the main door. Mm-hmm. You know how many how many steps uh, or grills or you know how many just how many barriers, and then how do you get to your bedroom, and then to your toilet, and maybe you know you feel thirsty, you want to get a drink from your fridge, and then uh, how do you uh, take a shower? Um, so, what kind of furniture you have all around your house? So, it's it's a good exercise. Even if you don't have a stroke, you know, we all are aging. Um, you don't need a lot of um, gadgets, basically. Uh, in fact, when we do home visits uh, at our clients' houses, um, first is to see how many carpets they have. And, you know, some... some this is quite cultural. Uh, they like to put the patient in the living room. <laughs> so that, that's a no-no. Patients need to be in their bedroom. Mm. And they need to have a dark environment to sleep, quiet, uh, not to be paraded mm. and, you know, very heavy traffic, people running around, uh, television, I, I guess the rationale behind that is that it's um, the most accessible. The, yeah, the, um, the patient is uh, being watched by everybody just in case there's anything happened. But you're right. But that simply just give no uh, patient no privacy and yes. also no, uh, no no opportunity or an environment to rest. Right. <laughs> so what, well, my 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 team already know when when oh when we do home visits the first thing Indah Sabrina is going to ask. Where's the wife? Right. <laughs> Where does the wife sleep? Where does the husband sleep? Because this is intimacy and sexuality after stroke. It's a very big uh, a topic and nobody wants to talk about it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first is to, to normalize, you know. This person was a father, 
is a father, father, husband, you know, a son. So uh, we should not um, dehumanize them just because they have a stroke. Mm. It doesn't mean that they need to be in the living room. So first is their, their privacy. And uh, number two is uh, what kind of bed. So a lot of people say, oh, doctor, uh, we want a hospital bed. Actually, in rehabilitation, we try not to prescribe hospital beds because we don't want the patient to be in bed. Mm. We want the patient to be in the wheelchair and mm. walking, basically. So, in in government, um, we, we always have to uh, apply for government grants and we have to justify when we give a prescription that is very expensive. Uh, wheelchairs are expensive with the cushion. The commode shower wheelchair, that's a must. But beds, hospital beds, that's not a must. Mm-hmm. So, you can use your normal bed. Basically, we need to give you the skill. Mm. Skill how to get the patient, uh, early mobilization, get the patient out. Mm. So, and not much um, home modification. If you understand that the patient needs to be active and walking, possibly uh, going up and down the stairs as soon as possible. So, all of this guidance comes from the rehab team, right? Yes, uh, uh, our team, especially the occupational therapist, mm-hmm. a lot of people know physio, but not many people know what in OT does, right? <laughs> That's actually very good that we are uh, highlighting the, the other uh, allied health mm. professionals because they they are so, so expensive. <laughs> it's very precious. Um, and a lot of my anak um, sedara or, you know, people who want to become doctors say, can we not be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> because we need clinical psychologists. We need... We uh, need the allied health professionals. Yes, there's a lot that we need, especially audiologists. Uh, we didn't know what an audiologist was for in stroke. But before you can... Uh, teach or assess patient how to communicate. They need to hear first. They need to listen. Mm. Some strokes, they they can hear sound, but they don't recognize the sound. Mm. Uh, they, they hear a noise, but they don't know that's a cat or a bell. Uh, and then, um, or music. They, they know it sounds something, but then they don't know that it's happy birthday or negaraku. Mm. That, you know, so uh, an audiologist is very important. We always send the patient to be assessed by the audiologist first and then to the speech therapist. Mm. Mm. All right. Um, you know, uh, lots of things. Clearly, I think we can't cover everything today. Uh, but what's coming through is there are so many aspects and it really just depends on every single person mm-hmm. and how their stroke affected them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, more of a bigger picture, Dr. Intan, uh, it's, a, it's a long and gruelling journey for survivors, especially for their caregivers as well. Um, where can they reach out to for support, for other resources, for assistance? Uh, I'm sure everybody knows somebody who has a stroke. So to me, uh, if you have a stroke and then you need to speak up, speak up and speak out, preach to your neighbours, your your friends, your colleagues. Okay. So first is uh, that awareness and then uh, join, join NASAM, join um the clinic kesihatan have a lot of programs mm. and we have every, the everything is on facebook right now so join all these um, support groups mm-hmm. uh, get involved uh, in in public talks uh, 
um, and uh, talk to your doctor. So the, the take-home message for today is number one is know your numbers, meaning you need to know your blood pressure, your glucose, your cholesterol. Uh, you need to watch your tummy, you know, mm-hmm. your waist circumference. And then don't go to the clinic only when you are sick. We we want wellness program. So go to the to your doctor who knows you from from cradle to time. grave. Cradle to grave. Yes. Okay. So I didn't want to use that word, <laughs> but yeah. Um, go back to your doctor, and then um, if there's anything that you are not sure of, of course you can Google. But a lot of people now are information rich but knowledge poor. Mm-hmm. So find out a l- more about. What what can happen to you, and if anything happens to your family members, the main thing is you need to know who to ask, mm-hmm. where to go. Mm-hmm. If you can answer these two questions, who to ask, where to go, then uh, we will sort out everything for you. It's basically um, dissemination of information. Mm. I know uh, there is a website we can check for stroke ready hospitals, right? MyStrokeHospital.my. I think maybe that's uh, an important resource to have. Well, if you are, uh, if you, a lot of people um, in in rehabilitation, we don't, ha- uh, we are not covered by insurance unless oh. you are referred to by the primary doctor and you must be in the hospital for twenty four hours. Then uh, rehabilitation will come under the care plan, like the whole, you know, like the the whole big picture. But once you are discharged, not many insurance cover, so it's always out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been doing some calculations. So basically, um, a therapy session is between eighty to two hundred and forty ringgit per session. And you were talking about three hours a day, five yeah. days a week <laughs> for, for at three least three months. months. Yeah, five days. Yeah, yeah. Do the math, right? So preferably uh, inpatient. <laughs> <laughs> so in in uh, the acute setting, a private hospital. Maybe you can. You need to set aside about between two thousand five hundred to six thousand seven hundred per month. Per month. Mm. Okay, so uh, save up, <laughs> save up your money. Uh, make sure that if if you buy an insurance plan, read the fine prints. You know they got all oh, thirty six critical illness. I have a big headache when I want to write a medical report. You know. It's like okay, oh, this person cannot claim why? Uh, hypertension why? Uh, pre-existing. Look, mm. you can't have a stroke without hypertension. Mm. Everybody will have some form of risk factor, so it's it's very tricky. Mm. Uh, sometimes you want to to help the patient, but um, the the plan that they have is really it's like what actually what do you cover? Yeah, mm. um, some things are beyond the scope of our conversation today. Perhaps beyond the scope of individuals themselves to to mm-hmm. control. But what can we do? Uh, you you talked about saving up <laughs> and prevention. The the main thing is the best thing for you and me. The first thing is to. Keep healthy. Yeah. That is the take-home message. Number one is the cheapest way is to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Watch what you eat. Watch our numbers. Go to the clinic when you're not sick. And then I always tell my family members, uh, they could say, oh, you know, before this, uh, I don't have any illness. But the moment I go to the doctor, oh, I have this, 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 you know. I went to the doctor without any illness. I come home with five. <laughs> I have to tell my mother, my aunties, my grandmother, say, it's actually we didn't give you the disease. We already have the disease. We just tell you. Mm-hmm. So you have to change the mindset. Yep. Go, go. It's a wellness clinic. 
And then uh, be healthy, be mindful of what you eat, exercise. George, a final message? Well, I know one thing is too late, one thing is not too late. Too late for me, I can't change my career. Like you said, you know, go for occupational therapist or something like that. You may probably have better income and better quality of life. One thing is not too late. Next time I go to an island, I will make sure there's a hospital around and neurologists around. <laughs> I'm saving my money. I'm not going for holidays. <laughs> I'm saving for that rehab. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Dr. Intan Sabrina, consultant, rehabilitation physician, and Dr. George Lee, my co-host, for uh, our discussion about stroke rehab and uh, as well as prevention. This has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.